If I had ten minutes alone with you, I'd tell you that I love you. I'd tell you not to be scared, because it's the kind of love that doesn't want anything or need anything. It's the kind of love that just sits there and envelops whoever you are or whoever you want to be. It doesn't demand. It isn't a commodity. It doesn't threaten all the other people you love. It doesn't fuck up, and it doesn't fuck things up. It's loyal. It's willing to feel hurt. It's willing to exist on shifting terms. It's willing to stay anyway. It doesn't want. It's just there and good, and given freely, sewing up the holes unassumingly because it's the only thing to do. There's so much space around it, and the space shimmers. Leanne Batasimo Sachs Simpson, The Accident of Being Lost. I'm ambivalently yours, and this is Rebelliously Tiny, a podcast where each week my co-producer Hannah McCaslin and I invite a special guest to help us respond to one of the thousands of personal questions I've received on social media. In a world that teaches us that strength is loud, harsh, and masculine, this is a place for those of us whose struggle is both impossibly large and rebelliously tiny. Here's the question that inspired this week's episode. The message has been slightly edited to ensure anonymity. I recently broke up with my ex and I've been trying to love myself and I have no idea how to do that. I've placed so much of my value in other people's opinions of me and what hurts the most is that he lied to me about so many things and didn't care all that much about me. I'm tired of feeling unlovable and unable to move past hurtful life experiences. Honestly, I just feel unworthy of love um, would you like to start out by introducing yourself? Yes, I'm Geneviève Darling. I'm an illustrator. Um, and I have a little business called uh, Love Struck Prince based in Montreal. So yeah, so what kind of like comes first comes to mind when you think of this question? Uh, well, first of all, I I relate and I feel like it's well expressed like being conscious of that is like such a a great starting point and it opens possibility to to work through it and to grow through through it like the person seems self-aware like knows yeah. knows that they have work to do but is maybe not sure of like how to do that work yeah that's a big thing um so just by be by realizing it and doing to want doing it wanting to do the work this is kind of like the beginning of self-love right mm-hmm. to be like it's not going well but i know it like somehow they know they deserve they deserve better and it can be better when i was in college i moved into a three-bedroom apartment in the ndg neighborhood of montreal with two of my friends My bedroom was the first door on the right when you walked in. I painted the walls turquoise and hung gauzy white curtains in a window that looked out on the fire escape and a brick wall. 
When I moved into this room, I was at the tail end of one of the most self-destructive times in my life. I had just forcefully extracted myself from an abusive relationship, and I had been punishing myself for it ever since. But this new apartment was a fresh start. Away from my former downtown debauchery ground, this quieter neighborhood gave me an excuse to heal. I lived in that room for three years. I lived there when I graduated from school, when I started my first real job, when I entered my next, much safer relationship. Then my friends and I grew up and all went our separate ways, and I moved out. Hours after I left, someone else moved in and filled my former bedroom with their own life. At the time, I didn't think about any ghosts I may have left behind. But years later, I would meet the person who took over my turquoise bedroom after me. We would meet by chance at an art market, and eventually we would become acquaintances, then friends, then we would share an art studio, then we would share all our secrets. Then one day, while talking about former apartments from former lifetimes, we would realize that we had once shared the same bedroom at different times. I don't know where love comes from or how it finds us, but I'd like to believe that some people are meant to be in our lives. One of these people for me is the same person who lived in that turquoise bedroom in NDG right after me. Her name is Jen. It's kind of like the worst and the best thing that happens to me every time I go through a breakup and they're so... It's so difficult. You go like deep in your like in your old wounds since it's like it touches like attachment like something so deep in us and so it's kind of like a doorway to work through your wounds uh for me uh, of course I talk about from personal experience and mm -hmm. but um yeah so but first of all <laughs> you have to go through like all the super difficult emotions this episode and its question begin with an ending the end of a relationship and all of the untethered emotions that live in the aftermath of losing someone who was once so woven into our sense of self but as we know As we've been told in many breakup songs, motivational posters, and self-help books, endings are also beginnings. But to quote a more reliable source, in her book Communion, The Female Search for Love, Bell Hooks wrote, To me, leaving this relationship was not about giving up on love. It was the gesture that would set me free to really search for love. The gesture that would allow me to love again. And so I left. I was never going to know love in that relationship. Leaving it opened up the possibility of finding love. You know, in the last few months, when we got our studio together and we started, like, really becoming closer friends, I feel like we became closer friends at a time when we were both kind of going through some some tough things mm -hmm. in our personal lives and And like, and they, the things were both different, but mm. I feel like the stages of getting through it were kind of similar where mm. we like, we were, yeah, just working through all these different feelings. And every time we would 
talk, our feelings were completely different or we were in different spaces and, um, yeah. But the, the process of like talking about it to me was like really important, like Mm -hmm. talking, like finding people who maybe can relate even, even if they can't relate it to exactly what you're going through, but who can relate to the feelings. Yeah. Give you a little validation just by understanding and hearing you because self-love is so difficult like they say you have to love yourself to love other people (laughs) like that's very simplistic because you also have to to know how it feels like to to receive it you know I think it's always it's not like black and white it's like so just having people understand you making you feel heard and therefore important and that's like just to related to self-love and friendship and just really meaningful connections on any level and are there things that like that worked for you like when you were going through hard times like for me first like one of the first thing was to um to be more grounded in myself to to understand like oh calm is nice <laughs> actually because <laughs> I, I like action so much and maybe I like to be distracted <laughs> also <laughs> just um but understanding the value of that and what it can bring to me um and trying to stay in those place in difficult in this place of I mean um being with what's happening in difficult times um for me i i really like meditation and mindfulness and that's that's really hard that's yeah like a little bit at a time like i also like to watch tv (laughs) (laughs) to just like relax and uh, check out a little bit but yeah and also looking at like the the fear the fear of being unlovable and unworthy and to me being honest about that fear i think i i um je l'ai évité i um you um i wasn't able to mm-hmm. to ex- to to see it that mm-hmm. i had that fear because it would absolutely mean that it's true Mm-hmm. So like taking the risk of like being honest and being like, oh, I'm I'm so scared actually that there's something wrong with me that I'm not lovable. And just looking at that fear and working through it and being that vulnerable person, but at the same time finding in myself the the caring person who can be uh, who can tell me that it's not true Mm -hmm. yeah that I'm worthy whatever I don't need to do anything it's just a fact yeah yeah um I think there is like avoiding avoiding Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) (laughs) so just like oh like avoiding these fears but instead of avoiding them to really like face them and acknowledge them and yeah, I mean, it's not like face your fears, but it's it's true. Like it can, it's really hard. Yeah, but 
it's necessary and like you said like it's so easy now with like always having a phone to be distracted yes. all the time and that's that's something that I do when I'm really anxious is that I'll I call it like stress scrolling on my <laughs> phone where I look at like all my social media over and over again it's I a go thing. <laughs> I go like email Instagram Facebook <laughs> um Tumblr anyway I go through like Tumblr, Twitter, I go through each one over and over again. Oh my god! And then yeah. I'm like, wow, it's been an hour, and all I've been doing is like looking at the same things over and over again. Yeah. And that's just like a that's just something I do when I'm avoiding feeling things. Yes. And and like you said, it's nice to take breaks sometimes, mm-hmm. and I fully believe in sometimes, like you said, checking out, watching Netflix for a while. Mm-hmm. But it's also important to balance that out with. Yeah. The thing about facing difficult emotions, um, that, like, one thing that made it easier for me, it's the way I approach it, like with, with compassion for myself, like, like I would do for a friend or like with deep, with deep care, and because it's so easy to, to, uh, to judge yourself, just accepting things as they are. Anyways, yeah, I so I guess I want to talk a little bit more now about relationships themselves, like mm-hmm. when when you're in them, and maybe if you could share things that maybe you've learned, um, like how to how to tell if you're in a good relationship or in a bad relationship. <laughs> um. Wow. Okay, that's a big uh, question. Obviously, I think it's super personal and like the reflection I have are really about myself one thing I would say is if you think about love the book all about love by bell hooks is really beautiful and it really speaks of um love in a in the biggest sense of the the word I think I want to be really aware of what I'm I'm looking for in the other person. For for me, it's really easy to look for uh, security, validation, or just like yeah, just to feel uh, to feel safe when uh, with another person. And I think uh, it should be that way. Like you should feel um, uh, safe and loved and validated. But you sh- like I don't want to need that from another person. So just because that's like that creates a dynamic that's that's limiting for me. I guess I'm I'm trying to um, right now. I'm actually not being in romantic relationship like because I I decided to and I've been like in relationships all my life and I'm trying to find those things uh, within me and it's it was really hard but it's also really a beautiful process and I feel like I'm um, I feel it's really empowering so much of the media we consume so much of the advertising we are bombarded with day in and day out suggests that love romantic love is the ultimate end goal love they say is the thing that will save us from our broken selves 
This branding of love as a healing balm is perhaps what ultimately causes the failure of so many of our relationships. Love, after all, can only heal us if we tend to it, work at it, and help it grow. Relationship of any kinds right now, because I'm not, I'm not like dating or mm-hmm. looking for that. But also, I'm thinking about the future, of course. Um, I just want to really listen to the uh, to to the other person, like to what they say, their action, the way they're uh, presenting themselves, and not idealize them. Mm-hmm. Like I have a. Uh, big imagination I'm really <laughs> I can romanticize and like I can like avoid hearing things or seeing things and just because I want so much to like I want to be the, with the other person or I want like this thing I I idealize and that's not like anchored in reality and it's also a limiting thing in the end because in the end you want to uh to to love like yeah no i mean i think like you touch on a lot of points in what you were saying like just the the this idea of it being a choice like choosing love and not like needing it and i think that's mm. something that bell hooks talks about in her book all about love which i also recommend mm-hmm. to like every person i meet but like yeah um <laughs> yeah and also And when you say about like how now you're just choosing to not be in a romantic relationship and that I think to a lot of people can be confusing because we're so conditioned to think that like romantic relationships are the most important thing and that you should always want to be in one or Mm -hmm. always be in one. And I think it's really important how you say that like now you're trying to find the things that maybe you looked for in other people in yourself Mm -hmm. and Yeah, and I think that's something that's, like, really important to question, like, why we're in a relationship in the first place. And right now I'm in a relationship. I've been in a relationship for almost 11 years. And, you know, it hasn't always been easy. But for me, like, reading more about, like, queer theory have expanded the idea of what a relationship can be. Mm -hmm. That also makes it easier to not feel this need to fit into these like heteronormative stereotypes um I wonder if for you that's something that oh my god definitely (laughs) like the like what you pointed out about the fact that like um like just just saying like I don't want to be in a relationship is it's true that it's not it it feels It feels often like unnatural or like my mom keeps asking me like, so have you met someone? I'm like, no, <laughs> I'm fine. <laughs> like, I'm really fine. Um, so but even it's it's really internalized. Like, is there something wrong with me? Like, because I it's like, oh, you haven't found someone. Like, like oh, yes. I think you'll I'm, find someone. Don't worry. Why is this? Like, maybe you're doing something wrong or like, but this is like more play. It plays more like within maybe. But um, so that's that's a thing. But like trying to be conscious of that and saying like, no, mm-hmm. that's not real life and connection connections are 
connections, whether it's like a friendship, um, uh, sexual, r romantic, th through art, through like spirituality, through like, and putting romance aside voluntarily made me explore so many beautiful things and way to connect to people and I'm really grateful for that. How can any girl sustain the belief that she is loved? Truly loved. When all around her she sees that femaleness is despised. Unable to change the fact of femaleness, she strives to make herself over, to become someone worthy of love. Bell Hooks, Communion, The Female Search for Love. And I'm wondering for if for you, because I know for me it was it really helped with like learning about feminism changed the way that you saw romance or that you saw relationships. Oh my, for sure. <laughs> yes. Uh, feminism is like, well, I my entry door was really coming out and realizing. Um, I was really gay <laughs> at 28 after all that time for like, yes. So that was like the little crack in my normative world. And then by uh, exploring that and the space and uh, the way people talk or live their queerness, I... I fell into uh, feminism really quick and then it opened up to like all like it was social justice and uh, more um, yeah to, to social justice and um, yeah just questioning internalized uh, misogyny and the way I saw women and men because being with like I felt, I, I think before I was feeling more secure being with, um, I, be, I think I, I was feeling more secure really on an unconscious level being with a man. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And because I was trusting less women, because I was taking women less seriously. And again, uh, internalize misogyny that was like super unconscious. So feminism helped me to uh, see through that. And so maybe it helped me in a way to feel like I could just be with whoever I want and that I didn't need men to feel safe and justified and I don't know. I mean, I think that that's like a really like strong example of how like internalized misogyny can have such a strong hold on us mm -hmm. how you know for you you're in a re you're in relationships that you didn't even maybe want to be in or feel but that you felt that like you should and I think it takes a really long time to like undo the harm that internalized misogyny does and yeah. to move past it and to find and to start like not seeing other women as competition and to to not devalue other women and to 
Yeah, and to to like change our views of of women as women is yeah. um it's a, it's it's hard. Mhm. And and it's it's a thing and it's not just men that need to think about those think it's like we're all growing up in this society Mm -hmm. but yeah but I was like just to say I wasn't really loving relationships Mm -hmm. what in one long loving relationship before but definitely like an aspect or like a thing that um, made me able to be free enough to live my sexuality uh, and just to to come out to myself I was realizing that I was somehow thinking I needed a man to be safe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and it's interesting how like safety and sexuality for you were like two very like separate mm-hmm. things, and safety took over as like oh. the most important thing. Yeah, I think what I really also kind of admired within you is like your ability to kind of maintain relation like or to allow your relationships with people to shift mm. like your rea- your relationship with your past partner how now you've become like just really close friends and, yeah and I've seen you do that with other people like you're just able to like maybe date someone a couple of times doesn't it's not a romantic thing but then you turn it into this amazing friendship and I feel like yes, that's like that's a, true <laughs> you're really good at doing that and I always I really admire that oh, in you thanks I don't think that I feel because I feel like for some people it's like romance or nothing mm. I think especially for straight men it's like very hard oh. to like have just like female friendships especially mm. after a relationship because it feels I mean, I, this is just my interpretation of like experiences I have. I've had trying to s- be friends with men is that it almost feels like a failure to them. To, oh yeah. To be just friends or to be put in the friend zone. Yeah. Um. But like, there's so much value in like moving away from that and to just allowing ourselves to let relationships shift or become something different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I hear what you're saying because. Um, before I I was around more men <laughs> now I'm just like I have my yeah I'm surrounded by queer women <laughs> I love it but uh, like in school or in working environment I used to say like pretty quickly like I'm gay or before that I have a partner just like to to take out the mm-hmm. the the guys who are just like and it's true some guys like they won't talk to you after that and mm-hmm. I'm like Ugh. and like the counterpart of that of what you were talking is like just maintaining um relationship I like lately I've really consciously um decided like when I meet new people and I met a lot of wonderful people in the past year being being single and like seeking out those new um encounters and um I try to be really open and just like see the person in front of me and what's the connection and that relates to me uh with like not idealizing people or wanting to people to be a, a certain way to fit in my 
like to fit what I need. Yeah, because I think when you start idealizing people, they're inevitably like always failing you or they're failing mm-hmm. they're not living up to your expectations. Oh, wait. And that's like a lot of pressure to put on somebody mm-hmm. to be like, Well, you were supposed to be this magnificent magnificent, like magical unicorn and you're just like a regular horse. So <laughs> yes. Relationships and individuality are not mutually exclusive. You can be part of something while remaining a whole version of yourself. And sometimes your friends are those who have the ability to remind you of the true value of that whole self. Something really nice though about being able to open up and talk about all of all of these things and learning from each other and like being able to point out in each other like the things that we have to work on and like to having people that you trust enough that when they tell you like okay this is like something you have to work on that you'll trust them and that mm. you'll because it's, it's not easy to like see it's not easy to like come to terms with like your own failings or your own things that you have to work on so to have Ugh, people no. around you that you trust their opinion about that and you trust they love you first of all mm-hmm. and they say that from a place of care yeah. yeah what i think about that now for myself right now it's always like it's always a process yeah. yeah it's that now that i feel more strong and more secure in my self love i feel like my i can love others more freely like as i judge myself less and i I'm less scared of losing people or people won't love me that like I don't I need them less somehow um I can just accept who they are at, like more and I don't know if I'm saying that in a clear way but I feel like my love is more uh, yeah more free more um it's just growing mm-hmm. but we all have love inside of us like at any moment like it's not it's there yeah and to just sort of like trust that if you're not there yet that you'll get there eventually oh a, yes like oh my god it's a process and it's as you said like it's not linear linear yeah <laughs> linear, linear. <laughs> yeah uh it's like uh being human is so much healing and work and emotion yes what does it mean to be in love with romance but reject all of the ways the world teaches us to love how do we let romance grow within our refusal to love in a heteronormative way can romantic love truly exist in a world where one gender is accorded so much more value than all the others? Can our quest for love go beyond a need for safety and stability, a need to fit in, to be accepted, to belong? Is it possible to love without imposing unrealistic expectations on the object of our affection? Is it possible to love ourselves with the same abandon and intensity that we seem to reserve for everyone else? On a really like practical side, what I've been doing, because I'm actively trying to make self-love uh, flourish within me, 
more mm-hmm. <laughs> um is because if i would be with a partner i would be like hey babe what do you want to do what what would you like what would make you feel good i just want to make you feel good have a good time and now i'm trying to do that for myself like when i'm by myself and it doesn't come naturally at all i'm trying to be productive to like work on stuff but now if i'm just like sitting and i have a few hours i'm like "Mm, what would make you feel good (laughs) like that's the goal because i would do that for someone else right Mm -hmm. so and yeah so i'm trying to to be a good partner to myself Mm -hmm. and the more i enjoy being alone the more i yeah that helps that helps and like so that's self-care but yeah yeah and i think like and even me like being in a really in a long-term relationship like i've also had to learn to do that too sometimes because you know, just because you're in a relationship doesn't mean that every single thing you do has to always be about you and your partner. You know, sometimes you, it's like, you don't have to just like fuse into one person, become two halves of one whole, like you can be (laughs) two individuals and sometimes like have your own individual time in your, and sometimes just it's it's a nice reminder to be like, okay, today is going to be my me day. And Mm -hmm. I don't mean like all the time, I don't mean like be in a relationship that everyone fends for themselves, but it's, it's a good, it's a good practice to just be like, okay, today is like my time. I'm just going to do something nice for myself. I'm going to go to the restaurant that my partner hates going to, and I'm going to go by myself and just enjoy it and not feel guilty. And yeah, because relationships is full of compromises and that's really important, but you don't have to like lose your individual individuality. Yes. in your relationship yeah. and I think that's a mistake that I've made and that people make a lot is to yeah I can relate to that just be Finding the balance yeah balance like two people sometimes you're the couple sometimes you're each other and that's you can be both at the same time yeah again we conclude this episode with more questions than when we started But perhaps finding different questions is the most sustainable kind of growth. I think like that's, that might be the best I have to give (laughs) for for now. That's like what I have for now. The pleasure of recognizing that one may have to undergo the same realizations, write the same notes in the margin, return to the same themes in one's work, relearn the same emotional truths, write the same book over and over again, not because one is stupid or obstinate or incapable of change, but because such revisitations constitute a life. Maggie Nelson, The Argonauts. The conversation you just heard was recorded over two years ago, Here's a more recent update from Jen. Wow. Um, wow, it's really uh, special to hear myself uh, more than two years ago talking about that with you. 
Um, I was definitely in a special place where I really focused myself on trying to figure out uh, self-love and how to be okay uh, by myself, which at that time felt really like a survival thing uh, that I didn't want to go on um, engaging like with people and romantic relationship the way I did before because it was yeah uh, hurting me and um, yeah I really I really feel everything uh, that I said is is still a work in progress and I feel like that's so important to say that it's really not a a switched that's like on and off uh the world is so good at um making us believe that we are not enough that we are failing in so many ways and so it's a a long unlearning job recently i've been um learning from sonia renee taylor so much her work is a beautiful and powerful her book the body's not an apology on radical self-love is uh fantastic it ties a lot this work of self-love to social justice also i've i've just listened to that beautiful podcast talk by uh, thera brack about um limiting beliefs that are like um keeping us from uh from growing and, and uh, feeling that love believing we're unlovable is like a big thing and it's like just to realize that it's so many people share this uh their this belief and we don't talk about it but we suffer from it but it still uh lives within me it creates so much fear and i just uh i just try to tend to it and to reparent it i love that saying Also in in my life I've been uh f- experiencing like different thing maybe like really going deeper into uh those relationships I wanted to to have which are to really develop uh, intimacy with not only within romantic relationships so with friendship with people that become chosen family with myself obviously and what's been helpful is to learn to be vulnerable which is really tough it takes lots of trust i have lots of fear but i bits by bits trying and opening up 
opening up a little bit and just to see how people are are able or want to receive you and to hold you also on a practical level uh with my partner right now we've been we've been uh we moved together recently which is really fun uh also we had to work through like so much so much things but we got to learn each other uh way better and um yeah find a, we found a some kind of a balance we always uh keep uh, getting to know each other but one of the things we were doing is each having our bedroom I know we're really lucky uh, that just to have the opportunity to have enough space to do that. But uh, for me, like to have a space that's just mine with my things, my decorations, my my energy uh, feels great. And it feels like I can uh, ground within this space, within myself, and not forget about myself. Let's end this episode about love with a love song. Here is I Like You by the Montreal band Lizzie and the Fanatics. You can find Lizzie and the Fanatics on Instagram at Lizzie, L-I-Z-Z-Y, underscore fanatic, or on all music streaming services. You can find Jen's amazing work on Instagram at lovestruckprints or at lovestruckprints.ca. Produced and edited by me, Ambivalently Yours, and co-produced and co-written by Hannah McCasland. The music is by Greg Barkley. This episode was recorded in the field and at Obero Artist Run Center in Montreal, with technical support from Stéphane Claude. A special thanks to the entire team at Obero for their kindness and support. To learn more about my work and this podcast, please visit ambivalentlyyours.com or follow us on social media at RebelliouslyTiny on Instagram and Facebook at RebelliousTiny on Twitter. If you would like to be a guest on the show or submit an anonymous question of your own, please send us an email at RebelliouslyTiny at gmail.com or email us an audio recording of your question. You can also DM us on any of our social media accounts. If you would like to support our podcast, please share it with your friends and subscribe and rate us wherever you listen to podcasts. 
If you'd like to make a financial contribution, please email us at rebelliouslytiny at gmail.com. This season is entirely listener-supported, and we are eternally grateful to everyone who shared and contributed to our Kickstarter campaign in the fall of 2017. Thank you.